our church. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, so much, so much. I'm so glad to be here this evening. Um, so I wanted to be sharing the word of God with you. But I sense in my spirit there's a song I want to sing. And it's a very common song that you may know, but here it goes. I stand, I stand in awe of you. Lord, I stand, I stand in awe of you. Holy God, to all praises do I stand in awe of you. If you don't mind standing up again, because that's why we're here this evening, is that right? I stand, I stand in awe of you. I stand, I stand in awe of you. Holy God, to all praises due, I stand Father God, speak to us tonight. Speak to us, Holy Spirit, through your word. Speak to us. We're listening. There's someone, you're either watching online or you're, you're, you are in this room and you have a hania. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus right now. you won't return ever again. There's another one. You might be in this room, but your left ear or your right ear. If you put your finger in there right now, I rebuke you, deaf spirit, you spirit of infirmity, an ear I command you to open in the name of Jesus. Now, be seated. You know, I was getting ready for this evening and I was sitting on the piano and just worshiping God and those words kept coming to me. There's someone who's going to be there. There's someone who might be watching this and what they've heard about the news what their life has experienced the last six months, they'll feel like they're in, the, in a frying pan. Maybe your job is lost. Your finances look scary. And maybe you even have a doubt. Does God really exist? Or maybe you're asking questions. If there's a good God, why do bad things happen to good people? And maybe you're even at a much farther down the journey place where maybe there's something deep within your heart that you're wondering if God really cares about it. Maybe you have an estranged son you haven't spoken to in years. 
a daughter, a parent. And at such a time when we need to be family and one, you're experiencing the exact opposite, where even this is not bringing care to your own place. And maybe the word of God has ceased being what it used to be when you were at the place of comfort. When you used to come to church and you didn't know why you were thanking God, but you thanked him anyway. When you used to come and meet with brothers and sisters and say, God, I thank you for what you're doing in me because you had dinner last night. And now it's kind of pinching you. It's kind of pressing you how you can lift your hands up and say, God, I thank you for this day knowing that was your last check. I'm talking to those people today. I'm talking to those parents today. There are moments you will be unprepared for in your life. I'll repeat it. There are moments you will always be unprepared for in your life. Maybe perhaps you're in the valley of indecision, passed between victory and defeat. You thank God when you're on the top of the mountain, but maybe now you're in the valley. And the same scriptures that worked for you when you're at the top of the mountain, they seem to be powerless where you are now. When you stand and say, oh God, your promises are yes and amen. It's like a history thing. It's like how the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea and built a pile of stones. And the Bible says, and they praised God. Miriam sang a song of praise. Do you realize that, that was the last time they praised God on the, on the entire journey? I'm talking to somebody like that. Maybe you're thinking of yourself less than. The value that Christ has given to your life seems to be fading away. The tension in your heart is building. The tension in your mind is building. God, how can this be? Do you really care? I'm talking to you today. Turn to Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Paul is writing to the Romans here. He's talking about the salvation He's talking about the saving faith of Jesus. And this is what he says. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. I'll say that again because I'm going to break it down. So then faith cometh by hearing. What, what Paul is talking about here, he's talking about hearing the gospel. In other words, the gospel of Jesus Christ that he died for you, he sacrificed God suffered his own son, Jesus Christ, to die for all your sins, to bring you to the place where you can fellowship with the Father about every need you ever possess. And then he goes on to say, and hearing by the word of God. And that word there in the Greek is, is rama, which means that which is or has been added by the living voice, or spoken, or word written. In other words, when the gospel is preached, it's a message that has been written. In Luke 24, Jesus tells the disciples, he says, he expounded on all the scriptures, beginning with Moses, or through the prophets, pointing them to himself. It means all of this time, all of the scripture that they needed to know in their lives was already written. It was already inspired. It was already, already spoken, but they could not align themselves with it. 
if they were not listening with the ears of faith. Because that's how faith comes. Faith comes in a message form. You may say, but David, when I see a miracle happen, my faith rises. David, when I see the lamb walk, my faith rises. David, when I see people get out of wheelchairs, my faith rises. And that's why when you see people stay in wheelchairs, your faith falls. That's why, don't, well, that's why when you don't see mountains move, your faith is crushed. That's why when God is challenging you to stay strong and holding on to his word and staying firm in his word, he's meaning whatever is happening around you might be happening. It could go on for years. But is my message enough to transform you? I remember, when, I remember when Joshua was walking around, you know, the, around Jericho. And the Lord told Joshua, walk around seven times. And on the seventh time, shout, and the walls will come down. And this is what Joshua does. He goes and tells his people, we're going to walk around seven times. But he doesn't tell them what's going to happen on the last day. So imagine these soldiers, 3,000 plus of them, walking around this big building every single day, and at the evening he tells them, go home. And if you're married, I can imagine some of them were married, they get home, and then their wife says, honey, how was the battle today? And he's like, I don't know. We walked around, we took, we looked around every corner of the building, we staked out our place, I think tomorrow we attack. They go to sleep, day two. Everybody get ready. Yeah, let's march. One more round. Now go home. You go back home. Hey, honey, how, how was the battle today? I don't know. I think, this, I think all the stuff we staked out yesterday, they were not good enough. We found some new corners that we can find in the wall. Day three, the same thing. What happened? I can see the faith of every single soldier who was trying to use his weapon doing this. If all they depended on was seeing a miracle first and then believing. On the seventh day, Joshua says, okay, time for battle. And everybody, I think at that time, if I was in the soldiers, I'm like, yes. It's like, no, put, put your weapon back. I want you to lift your voice. I want you to shout like you've never shouted before. The walls were not down yet. And it says, and they lifted up their voices. And these walls came trembling down. If you read the Wist translation, it says the, the walls literally sunk into the ground. They didn't fall flat. They didn't crack out. They just sunk into the ground. To today, archaeologists are still digging, finding stuff underneath. I can tell you the message of the gospel of Christ is the foundation of our faith. Minus the message, everything else we have left is but wind. Because there is seasons like this when God could be doing something on the inside of your heart. And you are so focused on what's happening around you, and you miss what God is doing. John 1.1 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Here they use the word logos for the Word. I'm not the, be the best Greek scholar, 
the difference between logos and rhema. Logos, we get the word logic from it. But it is the summation of everything, the prophets, the scribes, the psalms, <laughs> and everybody wrote about the prophecy of Jesus, summed up. In other words, Jesus was everything these guys said, and that's why in Luke 24, he's saying, I'm going to explain all of this to you through myself. So as they saw Jesus, they could see their history was different. And here's why I said that word there. It's because all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made. Remember also in Revelation 13, 8, it says Jesus was slain before the foundations of the world. So before, before Eden, before anything was ever created, Jesus, Jesus was slain there. Here's what God told me about that when I was reading this. He said, David, I prepared for mankind what they were going to experience before they ever thought about it. Even the devil didn't know. So that means whenever Adam was tempted in the garden, God did not choose plan B. He just knew that whatever he desired, he had made allowance for. And that's why you see in Genesis 1, he creates man last. In other words, after everything he had made, he said it was good, and then he made you and I. And then it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And John says, and we beheld him, grace for grace, truth for truth. This is a man who didn't know God at all. This is a man who's living a life that is not even there yet. He calls himself the beloved one. And this is why. When the words of God became the expressed gospel of God, look what just happened there. The, the, the spiritual has become manifest. So when I'm reading the word of God, this is God saying, if you can't find me anywhere, open your word. I signed it up that way from the beginning. Jesus came and said the very same thing. Everything he was talking about was everything God had already made logos so we can utter it as rhema. How do you discover rhema? You open the word of God and read. And those words begin to percolate on the inside of you. They cause your logic to come on. They cause you to begin asking questions. They cause you to begin to seek deep within. Is this the foundation God stood on to create the entire universe? Yes. Do you think it's a strong foundation for where you are right now? In other words, God so value in you what God saw, no other person saw. I'll tell you a story. One time, I was at uh, Dr. T.L. Osborne Ministries for like two years as the admin assistant in the office. And Dr. T.L. Osborne would tell stories. He always said there was a man in Kenya. Um, he, was a, he was really, really, really drunk. And so they're having a conversation. He says, I, 
I want to get saved, but I'm drunk right now. And Theo's husband looks at him and, and then he says, you are valuable to God. And he began to explain to him why. He says, you know, the, the God that I know doesn't care how you look like, doesn't care what influence you, you've been under, doesn't care what things have offended you, doesn't care how you look, because he, he sent his son to take your place so that your value can come from a defeated human life to a victorious person, co-heir with Christ, united with the same spirit that's alive in Christ in you. And this drunk guy just says, okay. I mean, in the moment, he becomes so sinly present. He was hit by the power of God, and the very next day he was at the crusade with Dr. T.L. Osborne. Another lady, another, another lady came, I think, uh, this was in Uganda. His name was Papa Musoke. And Papa Musoke was, he was a cripple. I mean, his legs were blunt. Like, if you read his book called uh, You Are God's Best, Dr. T.L. Osborne, he tells that story in there. So his, his feet are like this at the bottom. He was a Muslim. And after he preaches to the masses, he's walking behind the stage, and he sees this person, walks up to them, asks their name, and says, you are valuable to God. Lifts him up all the way. I can't tell you how much when people discover that, oh, I have a God who loves me, and that's enough. That now all the rest of my journey is I have to accept that reality that no matter what happens to me, I am firm in Christ. I'm firmly grounded. The proof of his grace and value was when he returned from the grave and did not condemn anyone. He just says, look my hands, look my feet, look my side. Do you realize that the disciples had went back fishing? I can't imagine the father looking at his son saying, look at love in action. I've been with you for three years. I've been imparting revelation in, you, in your life. I've told you I'm going to go. Something better is going to happen. My father is going to send a gift. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. You've seen all these miracles. You've seen the death here. You've seen the dead rise. And I leave for three days for another mission, and everybody's back to normal. If you're looking for normal after COVID, you're in for a big surprise. Because every time the enemy comes, like a flood, God raises a standard. I think there's a hunger that God is putting on the inside of us right now that I can't even fathom. And maybe what really God is doing in this time is really working on our heart. Maybe what, is, maybe what God is doing right now is saying, whoever you are, I want you to wake up and first thing you do in the morning is say, God, what a great day. Maybe the news has become your logos. But if it becomes your logos, it's going to become your rhema. The more news you listen to, the more news you're going to tell. The more word of God you listen and put in your life, the more word you are going to speak because situations are going to demand 
what God deposited. Or they're going to demand whatever is in there. Because there are times when you're going to speak things like they're not. I remember when I was about eight years old, and I would hear my dad in his office. He had these little notes. He had put them everywhere. He had put school, radio station, uh, bank, and new church building. It was, they were all over. At this, at this point, we're living in a, in a three-bedroom house, about 10 kids. Our living room is a greenhouse at the main sanctuary. And his office is pretty much a sanctuary. It's not even floored. It's mud floor with wood paneling on the side. So when it rained, we knew, because we're on the side of the hill, water would flood at the bottom. So all you had to do is lift your feet and let the water pass, or you stood on the chair if you couldn't hold your feet up. And I'm seeing a man on the other side who is writing dreams of all of this stuff. It did not make sense how he saw where we were and what he was seeing. He would come and say, the Lord told me this is going to happen. He never told us a single day what's going to cost. We were thinking the cost. Because we saw the richer people in our area. We were thinking, you want to build that building? Ha, huh, so-and-so has it. What did, what did they do? Seven million dollars. Woo. There's sometimes when going to school was hard. And my dad would be like, hey, it will happen, but you may have to go later. In all those moments, even though I wasn't learning anything, now when I look back, I never saw a moment where he ever doubted something was going to be impossible. I don't remember any. And right now, the church has a radio station. They have a school. <laughs> and they just bought a whole new plot of land to, to build a bigger sanctuary that sits about maybe 10,000 or so. What I'm talking about is not just that I, I, I began yesterday. I want to talk about a woman who brought something, who knew about something, about God that changed her life entirely. Let's go to Luke chapter 7 and 36. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask and stood at the feet behind him weeping. She began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. I'm going to skip to 44. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered into your house. You give me no water for my feet, but she washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. She gave me no, you gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased kissing my feet since... I came in this place. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. 
for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. He then said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sin? And then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Jesus is unwavering from his purpose. I can't imagine where this woman could have heard Jesus or heard about Jesus. I mean, some people say she was a prostitute. John chapter 12, verses 3, they say it's Mary. And I can't imagine at this party, there's not, there, there's not just one person. According to the book of John, there were several other men in the room, several other people, even several other Pharisees, even though it was a Pharisee house. So at this dinner table, what they're discussing has nothing to do with the person who is imperfect. Everything they're discussing is what they think and believe is the logos and rema of God in the presence of God himself. And here, and he's a woman who knows the law very well. A sinner cannot be in the presence of Pharisees. Where the whole area knew this woman had an issue. This woman had last. This woman is a sinner. It's like it's well known. Everybody knew her condition, her place in society was never to step into a church or never to step into any presence of the Pharisees. But I'm, as I read and read and read, I was looking for what could be the littlest force that made her think, I would rather die at the feet of Jesus than stay where I am in this discomfort. I wonder what was that that drove a person who only heard about Jesus, never walked with Jesus, never touched Jesus, but hears that Jesus is at somebody's house. You know, I love the American culture here because you don't just show up at somebody's house. They may have a shotgun. <laughs> but in our cultures, when you make dinner, you plan for somebody might show up and they may want food. Whoever they are, whether it's the enemy in the village, whether it's whoever he is, if he shows up at your house and it's dinner time, you put him on the table with everybody. But I can't imagine in this culture where people are ostracized by, because of their identity, of sin, not knowing that the very same thing she's struggling with, so are they. But because of the logos they understand and the rema they have in their mouth, they're there to tell everybody else, you don't deserve this. And so this woman comes up with a method, with a formula that is so extravagant that expresses her true condition and, and life. When was the last time you did something so extravagant in the most difficult season of your life? Well, you said, God, I need you so much right here, right now. 
But if, if, if what I have to do is to get your attention, whatever it takes, I'm going to do it, even if it means I'm going to die doing it. Even if it means my history would never change. Even if it means my identity would never change. Even if it means my past doesn't change. Even if it means my story ends today. When was the last time out of your pain you birthed something for God? Being like, God, this is it. This woman comes in the room. With just words that she had heard in the past. Jesus can heal you. Jesus can save you. And this is what T.L. Osborne says. He says, word seeds have power. There's a remarkable statement about the power in Jesus' words. In Luke 5, in Luke 5 17, it says, and I'm going to paraphrase it. Now it's, it so happened on, on a certain day as he was teaching there where Pharisees and teachers and at the bottom it says, and the power of the Lord was present to heal. It means every time the message of the gospel came out, the power of God was present to heal. So that means if this woman had had Jesus once before and encountered the seeds of the words of Jesus into her life, by the time this moment happens, she knows if I don't meet this person in person my life is going to die looking like this. Now, we know God did not require her to do this. She could have waited for a convenient time. I'm going to catch him on the street. I'm going to wait outside on the door. She chooses to crash the party. <laughs> I can't imagine what's going on into her head when she walks in the room. Honey, could you give me that bottle? She walks in the room. with an alabaster jar. I know this is a fancy, this is Daisy Mac Jacobs. I think this could match something of those old days. And she walks in the room with a year's worth of what she worked so hard to achieve, of what her sweat gave her, of what her strength gave her, what covered up the scent of her scene to attract men rather than God was all wrapped up in the identity of the alabaster jar that she was holding in her hands. I can't imagine what alabaster jar do you have? Is it education? Because whatever your alabaster jar is, that's your value. Is it your job? Is it your kids? Because it's in times like this where I believe as the church, we have to repent, but not with just words. We have to go to God and be like, God, I'm here. I brought everything that's of worth to me. And I'm going to just pour it out. And I'm just going to bid, you know, the Bible says, at the feet of Jesus is the most high place. And this lady is at the feet of Jesus. I think in my heart I'll be saying, I don't want to be the same person 
I don't want to go back to where I used to be. I don't want to do what I used to do. I'm tired of my life. COVID has me beaten up. Finances have me beaten up. This is all I have that's of value. God have mercy on me. And maybe that's what a prayer life is supposed to be. It's not God I know who is going to be present. It's not God I know. Show me what's going to happen tomorrow. Oh God, make me so strong so that I can, I can lift my position to where it's supposed to be. I think God is looking for, do you know your value? Do you know that you have a place in God's heart? That before the world ever came into existence, he set everything in motion. Pastor Al said this in our staff. He said everything in motion so that you could be alive today during this COVID season. I've been hearing testimonies from Uganda of how God has miraculously protected the entire ministry. Not a single person in the ministry that has died of COVID. The whole country has had the least amount of impact with the least amount of science available. Churches just opened like two weeks ago and they're only allowing 70 people to gather at a time. No matter how big the church is. And and what I keep feeling is God saying, David, I'm brewing up a a kind of believers that are going to do some dramatic actions. Not because I require of it, but because they believe the message so much so that God has never left me nor forsaken me. And this is not the time for me to forget him or leave the message aside because it works. It is leaving. Do you have an alabaster jar? Have you thought of laying it down at the feet of Jesus? Maybe it's that child that you haven't heard from. Maybe it's that sickness that your faith has depended on so much. God, if you don't heal me of this, God, please heal me. And God says, do you know your value? Do you know that I give my son to die on the cross for you? He made himself a little lower to come here. He emptied himself of the glories of heaven. And they said he hung on the cross like a dog. Indescribable. His beard pulled out, bleeding from the head, pierced on his side. And you're wondering now if God loves you? Because if his message is not enough, he says in the book of John 6 to, to a group of disciples where he says, Eat me, drink me. And everybody left 
And then he says, all perverse generation that seeks after miracles. I'm talking to some people tonight. I hope I am, that our hearts become transformed. Our minds become renewed. We begin to feed on the Word of God in, in seasons like this. It says, it, it says that Jacob sowed in the season of famine. And in that same year, he reaped a hundred, a thousand fold. It was by a word. Abraham, he says, it was accredited to him as righteousness because he believed a word. He had no Bible to read. He believed the word he could hear. I challenge you tonight. I challenge you for the rest of this time. In this new era, what, God, what is God putting on your life? Or what, what is God doing in your heart specifically so you can worship Him? Then no matter what happens, you're like, you're like a Papa Musoke who is just backstage thinking the mission is over in the front. And now I can go home and right there got an appointment with Him and just gets His miracle. Oh, the guy who was drunk out in the, in the hallway thinking, I can't get saved like this. It's like, no, 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 no. I'll finish with one, just one last story. I remember a time I was, we were in the building and this is at my dad's ch church and there was a witch doctor in town and the witch doctor told my dad, he said, you have 90 days or we're going to come and burn down your building. I mean, I don't remember this like word for word. I don't even remember how the conversation lasted. He responds by saying, no, you got 90 days. And if you don't leave, we're coming to burn down your shrink. And everybody in the entire village, if CNN News were there, that could have rung out the entire country. But I remember every person in the village, they were waiting. What church do we go to? Do we go to that church that the witch doctor cursed? Or do we go to the shrine that the witch doctor is in? Everybody's waiting for 90 days. In two weeks, the witch doctor and all of his stuff, they were gone. And someone comes to church saying, Pastor, what just happened? You gave him 90 days and in two weeks he's gone. They're like... <laughs> I only speak the realm of word of God. And there's nothing the devil can steal from the mouth of God that God has not ordained for you. God has already set you up with his gospel, with his message. I'm going to finish with Isaiah 55, 17. It says, No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me. Say this with me. I am the righteousness of Christ. Say like you mean it. Say some oomph. I am the righteousness of Christ. Because that means weapons will be formed, but they won't prosper. Because that means sickness will come, but it can't overtake you. In other words, the message of Christ has sung into my life, therefore I believe. If you don't mind, give God a mighty shout of praise. Thank you.